Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I would like to have everybody think about this statement for a moment. Attitude is everything. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. If you want to be a winner, you put it in your mind, and then you go and win. And you do everything it takes to go and win. If you want to be successful, the same thing goes there. You put your mind to it, and you go and do it. If you are going to fail, you've already failed. You tell yourself, there's no way I can do that. And so your attitude is all wrong. That's what we're having in the church is a problem with attitude. In the church, we have this attitude that it's not us that needs to evangelize. It, nobody's going to miss me if I don't show up on Sunday morning. We have an attitude of forgetfulness in the church. We need to look at the Bible and see what kind of attitudes are there so we can emulate them. What about running toward opportunity? So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. As we're thinking about this, how many times have you had the opportunity to talk to somebody about the Bible? To talk to somebody about the church or Christ. Better yet, have you ever thought about putting energy towards that? When you see people at a restaurant, when you see people at a coffee shop, when you see them out and about reading their Bible, have you ever thought to yourself, let me approach them and ask them what they're studying? It's not like they're going to bite you. Right? When you think about this, it's so easy to talk to people like that. I went to Georgia years and years ago now, and we were at the steakhouse. They said, let me take you to this, this steakhouse. It's a good steakhouse. And we went and um, we were eating there. And in the back corner, there was a guy sitting there and, and I was watching him. And I said, I've got to talk to this guy. I've got to talk to him because I see him reading the Bible. And I want to find out what he's reading, why he's reading it, and what does he believe? Because as a Christian, we should have all our energy towards Christ and the church and helping people to discern the truth. And so as, as I was looking for that opportunity, he left. And in my cowardice, I said, now's my time. So as he left, I went to look at his Bible and I said, well, okay, well, he's reading that. So I started marking it where he can read this page and this page and this page. And I would write down notes. And when I was leaving, he was like, hey, what are you doing with my Bible? Just stood there. Oops. I turned around and I said, hey, well, I saw you were studying the Bible and I thought I'd give you some um, some passages for you to think about. And we went on there. They don't all have to be that way. You see people all the time. They'll come up to you. Hey, do you mind if I pray for you? Only if I can pray for you. You know, there's all types of opportunities, but the reality is, is we have a Jonah mindset. We have a mindset that where the Bible tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples, to make Christians. And yet the Christians haven't really found time to make Christians. They rather buy a ticket and go to a whole nother city with all that trouble that comes with it. Rather than just doing what God has said to go look for people and teach them the truth. Look what happens. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Acts 8 and 38. So what happened here? is Philip was talking to him about what he was studying. They were discussing the book of Isaiah. 
And in there, you know for sure that Philip was teaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the church. How do we know that? Because this is the response that everyone has whenever that is being preached. The death, burial, and resurrection. The response is recorded. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 16, and so on and so forth. You'll see this thing happen. The death, burial, and resurrection. And then what do I do next? So we need to have an attitude of running towards opportunity to teach people. That is one of our, if not the most important goal as a Christian is to make Christians. So are you finding yourself running to someone to teach or running away from them? You know, looking for opportunities or avoiding opportunities. And what kind of energy do you have? You have energy to watch your favorite TV show. You have energy to do all kinds of stuff. Where are you focusing your energy? Because where you put your energy is where you will be successful. And it's true, you can look at your life and wherever you've put your energy is where you're most successful. Why not put your energy towards the church? What about Isaiah's willingness? Are you willing? Are you willing to answer the call? Look at what's happening here. He says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. How many of us have this type of attitude where you're looking for opportunity? We need to be looking for the opportunity, not waiting for the opportunity to hit us. And it's right in front of us that we can't miss it. But we need to be looking for the opportunity. When Jesus was speaking in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 and and uh, Matthew chapter 28, go, therefore, make disciples. We need to say, here I am, send me. You know, we hear the gospel message and, and we love what it has to offer and we accept Jesus and we are repenting and we are being baptized and we're putting in being put into the family of God. But for a lot of people, that's where it stops. But I'm telling you, your attitude has to go beyond that. Your attitude has to go to that of success. Let me tell you how this works. When you're young and you're in college and you're driving a little car, maybe a cash car. Somebody bought you a car. Your parents bought you that first car. Guess what you're thinking? I love this car. And in three months, guess what you're thinking? That guy's car is nice. And you start thinking, how do I upgrade? And then you put your energy towards it. Well, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And then I'll get that car. And guess what happens? You get the better car. And it's all nice for about a year. And then the new models come out or something else happens. And you think, oh, how do I get that? And then you say, well, what do I have to do in school? I have to go back and get this education, that education. I got to put myself in the position to get that. And then a woman sees and now you got a wife and you need a house. And then what? And then you meet the circumstance. You put yourself in a position to succeed. You throw all your energy towards it. And then you succeed. But we have an attitude in the church where not all of us can be evangelists. Not all of us can help people come to the church. Not all of us can invite someone to church when they, the opposite is actually the truth. If you put your energy toward asking every single person you meet to come to church, 
then some will come. But if you never ask someone to come to church and to let them hear the truth, then they will never come. That's the truth. And so what about in our own houses? What about in our own lives? Are you willing to be teaching Bible classes? Because it seems that across the board, across Texas at least, there's a shortage of Bible teachers. There's not a lot of teachers that are going to, willing to teach the class for whatever reason. Uh, it could be, you know, I work on Wednesday or uh, I don't know if, I'll, if I'm going to be able to be there all the time. And in reality, you're gone like two times out of the whole year, but that's going to stop you from teaching all the other times. You see, we can make excuses, but instead we need to be saying, I'm right here, Lord. I'm ready to teach class. What about visiting those who need help? Have we put our energy towards there? Who needs help? Let, let me go visit somebody. What about taking care of the building? What about this one? What about every man in here? Every young boy in here? Are you putting your energy towards preparing to lead? To become a deacon later? To become an elder, a song leader? Somebody who's presiding over the Lord's Supper? Because in every church across Texas, there is a need for that. But are we putting our energy towards that? Are we helping these children grow? Are we providing classes to help people get into these positions? And the answer is no. Why? It's our attitude. Our attitude has always been, at least for as long as I can remember, somebody else is going to take care of it. And there you get stuck with the 80-20 church. You got 20% of the people doing 100% of the work and 80% of the people coming. But everybody has the attitude of, well, if they would just tell me what to do, then I'll do it. And here becomes the problem. Because the people who need you to do it oftentimes don't want to tell you and they don't want to ask. We need to be the type of people with the attitude where we're going to come up and say, I'm ready to serve. Where can I? So you need to be willing to answer the call. What about your attitude towards faith and trust? Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. This is Job considering the possibility that, that God is the fault of everything. But though things are going wrong in his life, look what's happening. I'll trust him. What's your attitude towards trust in the Lord and faith? Only when your life is going good, you trust the Lord. And you start to neglect Him, and then when it's bad, you come running back? If that's the attitude, then it's the wrong attitude. We need to have the attitude of, we will be faithful, and we will trust the Lord in every aspect of our life. When we're up, when we're down, and when we're just coasting along, our trust and our faith must remain in Him. And if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days... Of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. That's the faith that we need. We need to, as the song says, work until Jesus comes. Knowing that when my change comes, it's going to be an easy day for me. It's a hard, laborious life now in the church. But your change will come. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. This is showing that sometimes our attitude, if we have the right attitude and trust God in all situations, sometimes the end of our days are better than the beginning. 
And so we are needing to have attitudes that are going to be constantly trusting, constantly faithful, constantly growing, and constantly growing, growing in faith and trust in the Lord. Here's where we're failing a lot with our attitudes. What about the attitudes in the house? Who's leading your household? Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. We're in a situation in our, in our culture and in the church also, in our, in our environment, in our community, in the world we live in and in the church, where there, the lines are beginning to be blurred, where the kids believe that they have more power than the adults. When the kids don't ask the parents questions anymore because they just learned it on Google and you miss your opportunity to teach them what you need to teach them, who knows what they're learning over here. But we need to have an attitude where in the household where there's a husband and a wife and that husband is going to be faithful and he's going to lead that family, that wife is going to be great to the children and great to that husband and great to the Lord and be faithful. And those children should be raised in subjection and they should be taught to serve the Lord and what their goal is and what their attitude is to be, what we will and what we won't do in this house, what we will be allowing to come into our life and what we won't be allowing to come into our life. That it's not the end of the world if you can't have this app or the other app. Those apps will be gone. I thought it was the end of the world. You know, everybody has a, a, a cell phone pretty much nowadays and when we were growing up, it was a big thing to have a separate phone line in your home for yourself. So I begged my dad, give me a phone line. I need a phone line. He said, why? I can make phone calls. You know, who are you going to call? I'm like 16, 17 years old. And I don't know. And um, so I coerced him and he got me a phone line. And he gets me this dinosaur phone. I think you take it off and do this number. But the biggest and brightest thing was the Swatch phone. I don't know if you remember the Swatch phone. It was clear. It was nice. It was colorful. When it, when it would ring, it would glow and different lights would come on and, and you would pick it up and they would say, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. Let me check the time. And you look at your Swatch watch with a little snap guard on top like that thing was expensive and you needed to guard it. And so you have the Swatch watch and the Swatch phone and you know how my life would have been? If I never had those things that were the latest and greatest, it would have been just fine. You know who's using a Swatch phone today? No one. You know who has a Swatch watch today? No one that I've seen. That's the same thing goes for all these apps and the latest and greatest. No, we need to be running our houses and telling our children those things are perishing. They go away. So there'll be something new later. And so we think about that and we think about... Joshua 24 and verse 21. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. If you lead your family correctly, when your family is off on its own and creating their own families, that's what they'll say. We'll serve the Lord. Because you've trained them with the attitude to win in the church, to be a leader in the church. What about being bold for the truth? Where's your attitude on that? Look at Acts 7:51 with Stephen. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Sometimes you just call a spade a spade. 
You just give truth where it's truth. It's going to lie where it lies. It's either going to be bold or it's not. We give the truth how it's supposed to be. That's the attitude we have. But you know, the attitude of the church that I've seen over the past 15 years, it just wasn't the right time to tell them. Uh, it just didn't seem right. I, I don't want to scare them off. I, I want to bring them in further. We have all these different things that we use to say, I've got to create this perfect environment. Listen when I'm saying this, because this is true. I need to create this perfect environment to get them to respect me just enough. Then after I let them tell me a thousand things for weeks and weeks and months and maybe years, now it's my time. Well, the whole time God said, I gave you the opportunity. You should have stopped the chariot and spoke right then and there. Do you see Philip didn't go to the eunuch and say, hey, how's it going? Nice chariot. And just hang out for a year or two. He took the opportunity. So we need to take that opportunity. And if it sounds like boldness, well, then that's what it is. So our attitude and many religious people lack. They lack. What about your courage in God's plan? I can do all things in Christ, through Christ, who strengthens me. I can equals success. I can't equals failures. It's all about being taught, understanding discernment, and then going and executing what you've been taught. When I went to preaching school, I wrote on my application, he said, what are things that you have served during worship? And they had everything there. And what are the things that you haven't served? And what do you deem as your worst section here? Song leading. I was just being honest. I get there, day two, the first devotional that we have. It's everybody comes like a chapel and everybody participates. And he said, go to the board and look at the list and see where you're at. You might be on there today. And I go there and it says, Justin Gonzalez, song leading. I looked at him. I said, hey. I said I didn't like song leading, that I can't song lead, that I've never done that before. He goes, I know. That's why we're putting you in. You know, I was sweating, terrified, knees knocking, knees knocking. I said, okay, I'm going to do this the best I can. Don't move your hand because you know not what you do. Don't move your hand. Just, Jesus loves me. This After it, one guy comes up to me. Where did you learn how to lead singing? I didn't. Okay, I'm curious because you were, I don't know what you were doing. But I can lead singing today. That's what we got to do. You got to say, I can. I can. And the Lord promises you that you'll have that strength of I can during all aspects, all trials in your life and all triumphs. But you need to be humble. We have to have an attitude of humbleness. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the, uh, the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is the attitude we need. The attitude of, okay, I'm seeing what you're saying. I'm ready to receive that correction. Now, how do I do it? That's humble. Now, you can put that in every aspect of, of church life and as a Christian. There are things in our life that need work. And we need to have the attitude of, of, of meekness to where 
when you see that happening in your life and you're seeing the contradiction in the Bible, maybe you're ready to say, what should I do then? If someone is telling you, you shouldn't be doing this, this or this, and they're showing it to you in the Bible and it's clearly right, you could say, well, what shall I do? We just need an attitude to be able to say, what shall I do when confronted with the truth? And look at what happened to those who were humble. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And on that day, 3000 souls were added to them. God gives to the humble. Now, think about that when we're thinking about our attitude towards the church, towards evangelism, toward all these things that we were talking about, towards leadership in the house. Are we doing it with an attitude of what shall I do, Lord, and go search? Or are we trying to find our own way? Finally, we're going to be willing to worship. This is our last slide for today. I, I want to bring this up too because um, when we're talking about our attitudes, this is one of the most important things that we need to have in our life. Uh, first thing we need to understand is that Jesus went and died for us. right? Jesus went when it was time and He went on time and He went every time. God said to go, to do, He went. There was never a time where He said, I'm going to do what I want to do. There is a time where Jesus prayed and He said, Lord, please, if you can have this cup pass for me, please have it pass. But if not, your will be done. Think about that for a moment. Think about all the lashes that he got. Think about him carrying the cross. Think about him hanging on the cross. Think about all the agony, the blood that was shed, the pure blood of the lamb that was shed as a sacrifice for you. Think about the Roman ridicule. The people seeing him at his worst in humanity, that he was there, but did not see it as shameful, but despised the shame of the cross to lift up the glory of God, to purchase the church and give us an opportunity to have the right attitude towards God, towards his son, towards all aspects of the church, towards our families, towards teaching and towards salvation. Because everything we talked about today all comes down to this. Your attitude will not and cannot be right if you don't have this right. Let me explain what I mean. Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 26. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. First, we're seeing that Jesus shed his blood. The holiest of holy is Jesus. He shed His blood, and by the blood of Jesus, we're able to do this. By a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Jesus Christ has given the opportunity for all men to go through the Holy of Holies, through the, the, the veil, as a high priest into the Holy of Holies to have access to God. Let me ask you a question. What was your attitude when you came to worship today? Was your attitude that of Jesus died for me? He rent the veil and I am literally walking through the veil to be in the presence of God in the church. Was that the attitude you brought in today? Because that was the attitude he took when he went to the cross for you to have. So we need to have the attitude of worship. 
is everything to the Christian and it means everything to God. Because the book of Ephesians teaches us that the glory that God receives, He receives through the Christians, through Christ, the church, through Christ to God. That is happening on the first day of the week when the church is assembled and worshiping. Now watch. This is where our attitude has to be. And so He's bought all this and has allowed us all this that, is, that He did it with His flesh. Verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, Jesus is there. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. God seeks a man after his own heart. Look at what the Bible is saying. Concerning the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and His crucifixion and the sacrifice that He has given on our behalf has given us the ability to go to Him uh, through the veil. Now that, let us draw near with a true heart. The mind has got to be right. The attitude has got to be right. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Your attitude has to be right with your studying. So your attitude can be right in the heart. And your mind can be changed and that attitude can be one of, I'm coming here to worship God in truth and spirit and in fullness, leaving all else behind. Now watch this. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know what was happening when our bodies were all evil and have our minds an evil conscience? Our attitudes were in the wrong place. Our energy was put in the wrong area. Our lives were for us. But he has said, now you know where to put your energy. Now you know where your heart lies. And now you know what you should be doing. Now watch this. Let us, therefore, because of all this sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, imagine Him on the cross right now. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. You know what it takes to do that? To hold that faith, that conviction without wavering? Attitude. It takes attitude. You've got to have that victory attitude. Knowing that Christ has given us the victory. Knowing where that victory is. Knowing how to live it. Knowing how to share it. Knowing all the attitudes we need to have to hold fast that confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. Jesus' attitude is always the same. Servant, Son, Savior. You see, His promises are faithful, but we waver. In verse 24, and let us consider one another. Uh, let us consider one another, each and every Christian, in order to stir up love and good works. Look at the attitude. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus and our ability now, due to that sacrifice that we're covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, to go before the Father, 
to hold this conviction, to stay strong, to be steadfast. We have uh, got rid of our evil conscience. Our heart is right. Our attitude is right. And let us now, once your attitude is right, consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So your attitude has to be, once you've corrected yourself, now you've got to encourage others. Who are the others? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, the church, the assembly, the ecclesia. Look how important this is. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. It's all in the attitude. Look what it's saying. As is the manner of some. Some people have the attitude that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and how much that blood meant and what it means for us to be able to go into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus Christ and contact God through prayer, through worship, through all these things, that kind of attitude. And is the manner of some. Some take that and throw it away. And have the attitude of, not today. Imagine this. Imagine if Jesus had that attitude. Nope. Not today. Not going to get crucified today. It's just not going to be the way it is. Where would we be now? We need to have the right attitude about assembling, about being at church, about coming to church, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Every Sunday, everyone should worship and assemble together to worship the Lord their God. Why? Because He died for us with the right attitude. Your will be done, He said. It is finished. Now what's our attitude? Here it is. Because Jesus died for us, I will die for him. That's what he requires. That's the attitude he requires. No greater love that anyone know, anyone have, than to lay down their life for his friend. Jesus requires the attitude of a friend. He requires the attitude of a servant. He requires the attitude of an evangelist to teach and preach and, and put their energy in bringing people to the church to take advantage of his blood. Jesus also is expecting the attitude of leadership in the household that you will lead. We will go to church. We will worship. And one day you will grow up and you will be a song leader. You will be a preacher. Some of you will be elders. You will be deacons. And you will make the right decisions. Why? Because we've given you the attitude to win because Christ has already won the victory. We're winners. And there's no way we're backtracking now. It's just like if both of you went to college, you want your kids to go to college and do better than you. Why? There's no way we're backtracking now. We've worked this hard. Same thing for Christianity, even much more. There's no way we're backtracking now. Our attitude is, he died for me. Guess what? I'm there every Sunday for him. Why? Because that's what he asked me to do. That's the attitude he asked me to have, not only for me, but for all the other Christians to be encouraged and to be exhorted and to be edified. Together we can make it and watch this. And I'll leave this with you. No examples needed. For if we sin willfully 
after we have received the knowledge of the truth about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the importance that it means to us in the church and the worship and the right attitude, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Today, we're about 50 short here. And I'm preaching a sermon about attitudes. And the devil keeps people away. You see how that works? But all of us are here to go spread the message, to tell them about the attitude that's needed so the church can be strong, so we can continue generation after generation to be uplifted and exhorted and to be connected to Jesus Christ on a level of friendship, on a level of priest, on a level of Savior. If anybody has any need this morning, whatever that need may be, won't you come as we stand and as we sing?